Hi, I'm Nathan. Hi, I'm Ryan. Hello, I'm JD. And I'm Zach. And this is the Dragon's Den, a casual fireside chat brought to you by the Chimera Cast. So, uh, as stated uh, before, we're just going to have kind of a, a little chat. Uh, we finished our first, what are we going to call that again? For our cycle. First, our first cycle. cycle. We finished our first cycle and... Uh, we just thought we'd take this moment to reflect on what's happening. Uh, we should say at the top of the episode, we've already done this once, and we lost that footage. It has been corrupted and sounds horrible. We also lost a little bit of our next campaign arc and a side thing we were doing. We're kind of just throwing that all... seaside. We have a fucking brand for it. Oh, I know. I was... Well, there's a... We're going to get there. We're going to get there later. We were going to... Later. I I, I planned this. Okay. We reveal this. It was a big reveal. (laughs) God, We already already labeled them as seasides. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't isn't a new thing. Uh, Anyways. So we lost all of that stuff. We're just trying to do this over again. Give you guys the same kind of reflections, hopefully with a little bit more poignant questions. And... Then we'll uh, we'll start moving into the next series. I figured uh, we could start off with some, some just kind of easy questions. We'll go around the bend. Uh, JD, are you good? Yeah, you, if we go in kind of a, that same circle, so it'll be Nathan, Ryan, and then you, as far as like if they're open questions directed at anyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, that's fine. Cool. I fi- I figured just like keep it. If you want to jump in, jump in by all stretches. But otherwise, if it you know like for instance, uh. This was kind of a question that was on, I think, a few of our minds, uh, and it's a nice one to kind of set up the din. Before we get too far, I really feel like we should address the elephant in the room, that JD's in Hawaii. Now that's true as well. Uh, I uh, live in Hawaii now. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it, but like that's, that's, the, that's the deal. That's the problem we've been dealing with and why we couldn't fix things. Yeah, yeah that, that, that is true. It's part of it. So uh, we tried to get ahead of this by getting some recordings down before I moved in the in the assumption that we were going to have some problems um, getting all of the kinks worked out with our audio recording from um, long distance which usually I mean this is usually we're, we're you know we used to sit around a table record face to face so this is a, a, a dramatic change for us in the way that we do things we were right we have had plenty of audio issues in terms of getting the uh, long distance recording working um, mostly because we still wanted the other three members to be able to sit at, the, at a table together while I would be the only one like recording separately on a, on my own computer. So we did have that problem. But then on top of that, we did have a, a corruption issue of some sort that we're not really sure how it occurred, but we lost about a, a week's worth of recordings, um, which was a huge bummer. So the two of those kind of in conjunction has have put us behind. So we apologize for um, missing a couple of weeks. It was not our intention. Luckily, I mean, it did happen after Zach's campaign had finished and, you know, at the end of a cycle. So it's sort of a natural breaking point. Thanks to those of you who stuck around for that break. But now that we have everything going, um, I have total faith in the fact that we'll be back on a, on a weekly schedule. We'll be back on track. We're going to do these couple of re-recordings that we need to do, including this Dragon's Den and the Q&A for my next series. Thankfully, we didn't lose any actual play, um, just the kind of setup questions, character introductions. So we'll be able to do that again and, and get that out and we'll be back on track. With that out of the way, hopefully we can just comfortably rest into <laughs> what, we, uh, what we used to do on the regs. I, I kind of drink beer. Yeah, drink drink beer bullshit and play games. JD, are you drinking <laughs> beer? 
Hell yeah, I'm drinking beer. Okay, just double checking. I figured we start off with some kind of fun things to reflect back on the games that we've all run and played. Just throwing this out here. What was one set piece that really stood out for you? What was really vivid? You know, what 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 left you with a with a, a memory that you'll always kind of hold on to? So one of the one of the my favorite things we've done so far is one of, is from JD's campaign, JD your campaign, which was that nice that nice scene in the park where we had you know we had the three our us us three bastards just running amok in this in this city and Ryan your mage had gone into the tavern or something to swing dick and try to and yeah fail spectacularly doing it I love I loved that I loved that too but I I loved the beat that Zach and I had um a a short opportunity for convalescence and and intimacy between two ostensibly and and apparently evil characters objectively evil characters and I what I like about that so much is we were really uncomfortable before that we we talked a whole bunch about I think my character says something like this. I think my character does something like this. And this is one of the first scenes we have on this podcast where we, as as podcasters, have a scene where we just live in the scene for a minute. And it was it was really nice, and I, I, I love that scene still. Cool. Right, guy? Yeah, mine is from the end of Zack's game. The whole last battle in the tower against the Toadmen mostly because Amar didn't die, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, and it was nice to have a character that I could potentially play again someday on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but also just like the dance fight and the way you rolled with sort of a new thing happening and having to come up with a custom move in like five minutes was impressive and a blast to play. So, yeah. JD? Man, I'm torn. We had different answers to this, I think, the first time we did it, which... I guess just speaks to the fact that we had some some cool scenes throughout. Yeah, right. It was like instead of being off the cuff, all of a sudden, I think Nathan's changed, and I really like, actually, I, I really like that, especially in the idea of what a set piece is. That was a really nice interpretation of that. I'm gonna go big ice shit battle at the end of Ryan's campaign. Just the the it felt super epic, and like I don't necessarily want to claim that we're like high fantasy because we're not i explicitly try to keep it not really feeling you know like lord of the rings or whatever but it felt epic in scope in a way that well i guess i guess it wasn't even really realistic that's not hold on let me let me think about the way that i want to say this we tend to go for like high strangeness we like our games to get weird but this this really felt like a huge battle that we were taking a part of there were different parts of the of the fight happening all at once it was definitely like this awesome blow off to what the campaign had been that whole time i think everybody's characters had cool moments to do cool things and overall i just i really enjoyed it as the like the capstone to a to a to a game you know the first game that i ran um ended on kind of a uh, not a not i don't want to say a downer but like a it was sudden uh, and dramatic. Um, and then Nathan's game ended with like that kind of total high strangeness. Like Nathan's campaign felt very sword and sorcery at the end of it. This one felt very epic fantasy. And it was just really cool. All the all the pieces going on together. Like the, the camera image in my mind of like the movie of that gameplay was just really satisfying. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, just, just to agree with that, I am not a very visual person in general. And I still can think back on that that battle and i can envision specific parts of it 
very clearly. I think it came together in a, in a lovely way. I, I will also say to to piggyback on that. I I I listened to uh, Ryan's campaign recently. Uh, just to, I've I've been picking through stuff, and we actually all of us are like, oh, that's you're really good at long shots, Ryan. You know, because you do you do these like zoom outs and zoom ins, and it's all just like, yeah, this is this is great. You know, very narrativistic, right? You're like you're describing things really well. Oh, thanks, guys. No problem. We're just here to lift you up, baby. <laughs> But yeah, Zach, what what's your what's your favorite set piece? Uh, <laughs> I I truthfully I I had thought about this for a little bit just before we went on air, and I have to say that there was a the the moment at the end of your game actually, Nathan, that has really stuck with me for a long time, and I had never really thought of it as a set piece in the way that yeah, it's not like a big thing is happening, right? But so much is coming together. That moment when we get into the heart chamber. And there's this stone heart. And when Iltani finally ca- has been chasing us and finally catches up with us and everything is like coming to a head. And we just, we have this, this fight that is so, you know, it, 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 there weren't like swords clashing, but instead it was like souls being ripped from bodies and moving from one to another. And I just remember that moment where I was like, damn, I've, my character was just like, I have to. I have to try and turn this heart into flesh. And, you know, I had to, I had to give up everything in order to do that. And But it felt so good, you know, that there, there's something to be said about the fact that it's like, oh, you're not going to get a roll Black Gates and you're just going to die because you must be used to do this and to have a player and to, to, make, to write a narrative in which I'm so on board with doing that. I think those moments were just hit so well. It was the first time for me where I really felt like the idea of fronts all kind of squeezing us together, but not making us feel desperate, making us realize like how badass and how awesome this narrative had really turned out to be. It's really interesting that you say that, that you've, that you've chosen this as the scene. Cause I regret that scene a lot. I didn't handle the perishing of your character with the reverence that I think it deserved. I I'm, I went back and listened to that recently and I, I think I did a terrible job. And I, I'm glad that you feel that it was, it was special. I, I really appreciate that because it's, I mean, that's the thing with doing these in general is they're not necessarily, as the DM, this isn't for me, right? And so I'm glad that you as a player felt that that was the appropriate end for Curie. It was one of those things where if the moment feels cool enough to me, I can justify losing a character. I loved in my head at that moment being like, oh, it's kind of like a, I'm going to make this Colossus into like a, a, a shadow of the clo- like type of one where it's like, he's got a vulnerability now. His heart is flesh. Like you can take it. You know, I, I pictured in my head at that moment, I was like, even if we fail, this thing has a, a, a beating human heart and there's a chance, you know, I love, I loved that because it, it I think that allowed my character to be okay with resigning to death, knowing that he was giving them a chance. Cool. I mean, those answers are all fantastic. I definitely love the ice scene when Nolsk fucking <laughs> slides down the chain. In my world, we kill dragons. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh. It's just like fantastic. Like that. That that whole scene like got me super hard. This this question uh, again in the spirit of rapid fire, but take it as deep as you want. What was one big takeaway? from your first series you ran that you're kind of 
bringing into your thinking about the next series that you run? So the big takeaway, I guess, the the is the, if the question is, and if if I'm understanding this correctly, and correct me, what did I learn, and what what am I bringing from that into the next? Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't need to be in the in a negative connotation. That's kind of why I said takeaway, right? Instead of like, what did you learn? Like you messed up. There could be things that you're just like, I tried this and I actually liked it, and I'm going to carry it forward. Or I tried this and it didn't, you know, totally. And I think I can actually make it shape the next narrative better for me. I personally am going to try to narrow my focus a little bit more in the future. There was a lot more that I wanted to do with that series in general. It was supposed to get a lot more sprawling. And listening back and thinking back, that was never going to happen. The way that I wanted to do stuff was never going to work. And so I want to have a little bit more of a focused and, and, and impactful scenario for you guys. We'll see how that goes. But also, I, I, I would like to have a bit more... I feel like I failed a lot in describing my set pieces, like my my landscape to you guys a lot. I feel like I could have done a better job in making that bit more ditto. And so that's that's my main one of my main goals is to is to remind you guys as to the the setting and remind you guys where you are. And I I fall into this, you guys have played other games with me. I, I fall into this in general. I fall into this when I DM any game and I feel like this is a good space for me to hone that skill. Totally. Ryan, can you pass me a beer? I absolutely can. JD, you still doing okay over on your end? Uh, yeah, I, I still got beer. I don't, I don't need one. That's all right. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure we can mail you a beer. <laughs> I explicitly want you that you to do that for me. So, all right. So something that I think I didn't do, not that I didn't do a very good job of, but I've just been thinking about more recently. Uh, I'm running a very exploration-based weekly game, and it's sort of the questions that I ask the players are defining the world a lot more. And I want to, I don't think I did a very good job of that in the first game of asking pertinent questions to like flesh out the life of the island chains and the things that were going on. I had a a very specific view of what I wanted to have happen. And I think that I could have asked better questions to bring you guys into the game a little more. So yeah, asking more questions more often and like building, letting you, I mean, Jason Cordova just, talked about this on one of the gauntlets podcasts of just like using the players to let them set the scene and using that to focus it rather than your own vision like i'm seeing that now in my regular game how powerful that is how much more powerful that is than just like you as the gm sitting there and like spewing shit for an hour and a half so yeah that's like the thing that i'm focusing on the most in this next game cool i love that yeah i i think that I feel like I engaged with that in the opposite end where I really let you guys take the wheel, especially at the beginning of generating a lot of things. And yeah, I feel like I'm trying to find my happy place between those two as well. Like always negotiating what control I actually want versus what control, what, what giving up certain things gives them agency and power. It's, it's something that I think is a much finer art than I originally gave it credit for. It's like the questions I used to ask, I used to not prepare questions at all. And now, like it helps when you just have like 
one specific it can just be like the verbiage in the question can completely define how they answer it yeah which is cool heck yeah yeah when it comes to me for like prepping for a new game i i will i would rather think of questions than fronts or traps or magic items or whatever like i don't feel like i'm prepared for the start of a game unless i've got some like questions that i'm feeling very strongly about like feeling very confident about them being good driving questions that like point towards something so if you're looking for prep as a as a gm um you know i don't i don't mean for this dragon's den to like be a gm advice section or whatever but honestly like coming up with really pointed questions coming up with leading questions coming up with things that will inspire your your players to come up with creative answers um you know you don't need to have those answers yourself basically lay out the questions whether it's an obstacle whether it's a macguffin whether it's whatever and let the players answer that and that not only does that give them more agency in terms of like what they can do, but it gives them more buy-in because they're more personally invested in the story already. And that happens in the first, you know, 15 minutes of a game. You might have characters made. You might not even, like you might start with the questions before you start with characters. You know, you could definitely think about that for like if you're running a con game or a one shot or something, show up with some um, at least partially filled out character sheets, but then ask questions to the players. You know, you encountered this problem how does your character solve it? And then however they explain it, you'll be like, okay, it sounds like you're, you're, you know, this or this playbook, um, especially for people if they're totally new to Dungeon World, whatever. But I, you know, I, I tend to start with questions and move on from there. To, to uh, evolve that a little bit, the best thing I did about my game was ask you guys who Velo was. <laughs> yeah. He was a tragic character who had made who had made a bargain that he didn't know about in my head before I started the game, and then you guys decided that he was a bastard, an awful, detestable human being. You guys made him far more disgusting than I ever could have. The sweetened angel question, you know, why he has that name was something I think that really like took us down that road. Is it it that was a great question because we sat for so long we're like what does that mean you know and what we ended up coming up with was just something that was just he, he that i felt like that was what really made him a detestable human being it was like why is he nicknamed this and it was like not for not for well, any cute reason yeah it can't be something good yeah like but I, that never occurred to me i yeah. i gave you guys mm -hmm. and then, like it wasn't this wasn't a build a boss scenario either he was dead this was strictly something like he was setting the tone and I gave you guys a whole bunch of room to create the context of the scenario that was being put forth. And then I built the rest of the game from there and it was I was very, very happy with how it turned out. And so asking questions that you don't know what they mean is a very, very powerful and interesting thing you can do as a DM. Cool. JD, uh, I think the floor is yours. So for things that I'm taking away, I'm, I'm taking a different tack on this from where you guys are at. Uh, I certainly learned lessons about what I wanted to do or failed to hit things I was hoping to hit, you know, tried things that didn't work out or that I failed to follow through on. This happens in every game. I've never run a perfect game. There's always stuff I wish I could go back and change, um, you know, and that doesn't like those things are really good to learn from, um, but I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm no longer at the point in my career as a DM where I beat myself up over those things. As long as everybody's having a good time at the table, 
myself included, but all of my players, especially, you know, um, that's, that's like what really matters. So I learned plenty of things that I would like to address in my next game or I plan on addressing. But what I really took away that I'm really focusing on in my next game, which is the one that um, will be hitting the airwaves um, right after the Dragon's Den goes up, I I put you guys in a very antagonistic situation. It was essentially you guys against the city. I give you a little bit of help, but you guys were from a strange land. You didn't know the customs. You didn't know way, the way that things worked, and you were entering what was essentially a you know a fascist state sort of empire. It was very heavily military controlled. The guards weren't even just city guards as like written in the book. They were much tougher than that. And there was a lot of conflict that was immediately present. And I honestly, I originally did that to try to deter you guys from trying to fight as much as you did. But I mean, violence is the way that we think about solving problems in Dungeon World, generally speaking, and fantasy gaming in general. Yeah. Um, when, you, so, when you hit that wall, right, at a certain point, yeah. you're like, I'm going to try and smash it. Right, right, exactly. And it's not a bad thing, you know. I, I really like that game in, in a lot of ways. I liked what you guys were doing. I thought it was a lot of fun. But um, what I wanted to do uh, in my next game is create a situation that combat is simply not a solution. And this really, especially, you know, I wanted to focus more on puzzles or puzzle-like situations, problems that have to be solved but can't just be... It's not just, you know... Uh, sword against sword problem solving but more interesting scenarios maybe that that simply uh can't be fought out of i really wanted to focus on that and that's not to say that combat isn't a thing that happens um it it certainly is it's still a cornerstone of uh the genre of rpg that dungeon world is but i wanted to definitely shift gears and do a totally different type of game where it wasn't so antagonistic it wasn't so us against them it was much more of a of a exploration based you know and and by that i don't mean a hex crawl i mean um characters being in a in a situation or in a in a specific place um and trying to essentially figure out what's going on um how to get what they want out of that when it's not simply oh, there's a, a, you know, this fight that you have to do and that's what's in your way. And other than that, you know, that's going to be it. As, as soon as you win this fight, then you win the game. Hooray, whatever. I wanted to specifically avoid that. So that's what I took away from my game is mostly just like, okay, I want to do something that's very, very different um, from what I ran last time. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, so Zach, what did you learn or take away from your game? I took away mostly that I have amazing, amazing players, but also I think I think similar, similarly, but maybe in the opposite of what Brian had talked about a little bit. I've been thinking a little bit more about constructing worlds that you guys go into, and I think kind of hybridizing a little bit of what Nathan and Ryan have been speaking to, in the sense of I'm interested in bringing a little bit more as far as what's going on in the background setting the the bigger scene at large and then also having a little bit more uh as far as like maybe having having i want to bring harder constructed questions tougher ones that kind of put you in a a a little bit of a, a more difficult place as far as leading questions go that maybe narrow the scope but still give you a lot of freedom and not just like hey uh you know how many sons are there or something like that you know try and get a little bit more specific hone my questions in a little bit more 
so that I can participate as the GM. I was really experimenting in my series with adding a lot of... I really wanted to just give a lot to the players to give their buy-in a lot of gravity, right? And I was trying to make fronts just in response to what you guys were bringing to the table, asking a lot of questions and world building. It's like, I have this vague thing in the background, but I really want you to fill that out. Now I kind of want to try something a little bit lower to the ground and a little bit more finely honed and hopefully uh, give you guys a little bit of energy, a little fire on your behinds. That's kind of what I'm I'm interested in engaging with now. Just Just watching that dial kind of turn back and forth between like, GM creativity and player creativity and meshing it in this kind of way. I feel like I want to. I I went so far in player, and now I kind of want to find this nice even ground where it feels really good, and it feels like each of us are surprising each other at every turn. If that makes sense, it does. Yeah. I I think I know what you mean in that. Like a lot of times in your game. The setting was arbitrary. I don't want to say this, you know, in an insulting way, but like the setting kind of went to the wayside a lot. Yeah. We as characters, a lot of the character work took the forefront. That's not a bad thing at all, but I could totally see why you'd want to put split the emphasis. Yeah, and just really find that nice little place so uh, it doesn't, that the carrot, as it were, wasn't always just you getting what you set up, right? That hopefully the carrot and or the stick can be uh, things that you didn't see coming or things that uh, elaborate and you understand after the fact you're like oh that actually is fun that's that's engaging hopefully i can find split that middle because definitely in the past you know i i would say also here i'm probably the youngest gm of the group me and maybe you and i are close we're like a month apart yeah so we're not super far apart but like i feel like i am still learning a lot about cranking that dial back and forth between finding an engaging uh um, engaging percentage of certain certain aspects of the story being in my hands versus your hands. So yeah, then that's totally what I'm playing with right now. Uh, we had a question from Twitter from Sean, aka at ThudMeNurgles, I believe is how you say his Twitter handle. Um, he he says in quotations, draw maps, leave blanks. End quotation. Do you guys have any maps on the table or anything like that? Zach was looking at me after he said that. Uh, no. Not at all. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have... We have barely more than a vague idea of where things actually are geographically in the world. As a as a convention, we are more blanks than maps. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, Hope I hope that this is a, a response that encourages you to just go with it. Um, I think we should kind of expand on what you just said. If you like maps, draw maps. It, it, if that helps your creative process, if that helps everybody at the table understand what you're talking about, fan-fucking-tastic. We try to have this, have our space exist as much in the mind as we possibly can. That leaves a lot of room for us to renege and contradict ourselves. That is fine. That is a, that is something that we accept as part of our world building. But if you would like things more concrete than that, I don't think that's overly limiting or, or wrong in big old air quotes. I just think that's different than how we play. 
Yeah, I want to point out, I mean, this is a note about world building, but this applies to in-game as well. I specifically designed the, like, the model that I wanted the world of the Chimera to run off of, which was essentially old pulp stories, old sword and sorcery stories, which are getting pumped out. You know, you're writing to fill in for a magazine. But a lot of these had a, they had a world in common. Um, the same author would write in the same world or frequently go back to it. But it doesn't mean in any way that it was internally consistent or that they had drawn anything out. It was a constantly evolving thing. You filled the map in whenever you needed a story to take place somewhere. And this isn't, you know, completely true. You know, there's, there's uh, like, Hyboria, you know, Robert E. Howard's world. Like, he had kind of a, a, a layout for it or a setup for it. But it was just Earth. It's just the same... <laughs> map is earth but squished <laughs> and like molded around a little bit so it's like not really it's like real lazy world building but it doesn't matter because like the the stories are what's um what are exciting the characters are what are interesting um the like local detail is what matters and so like the broad worldview uh, there's a reason that our continent doesn't have a name because i don't see a need to name it when everybody would have a different name for it it would always be different depending on where you're at different people would have different perspectives on it they've explored different parts of it it's not a connected world and so the the worldview isn't connected and the attitudes on the world the deities aren't going to be the same um anywhere uh, it's a very different place and i wanted it to continue to evolve and part of the the, the joy of that is giving control over anything that any other dm decides to create that's all theirs and they have that little pocket they have that city state they have that region they have that codified religion in that part of the world but it doesn't necessarily need to affect anything else players also get a lot of buy-in this way um, because if you're a paladin and you create a god you know that god exists and he exists either just for your paladin but you can you can establish a whole backstory about the city state that you come from or the region that you come from where everybody worships this god and that's totally cool because the the map is more blank than map and so it, it kind of effuses the the way that I like to handle this kind of shared sword and sorcery style story. And when it comes to small scale stuff too, you know, it's all in the mind's eye. I don't, I think it would make podcasting harder, not necessarily worse, but if you're relying on a map at the table and that we can all see that the audience can't see, then we're not going to fully describe things the way that they maybe need to be described. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we do our best to take any point that there is question at the table to elucidate so that it, it could help the, the listener as well. I suppose as far as that goes, if there's anything that we fail at insofar as, as describing the world in any way we could improve in that, I'm more than receptive to that. Yeah, I think it goes without saying that if you guys are ever like, hey, could you spend a little bit more time trying to do this? we're not just going to shut down any type of that, you know, that query. Like we would totally take that to heart and think about it and try and do that as best we can. You know, if it's within reason, especially if it's like, Hey, I, I just feel like sometimes I get a little lost in where you guys are or what you're doing, what exactly is happening on. We're, we're trying to make a better podcast. I think we, we, I think we're all avid listeners of podcasts and we know what we like, but I think sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to, you know, turn the mirror back on yourself and be like, are we actually doing this? You know, to critically look mm -hmm. at it. So it's nice to have outside voices. So by all means, if you guys ever at our Twitter with any of that kind of stuff, we'll definitely take that, that feedback, you know, critical uh, or non uh, very, very seriously and try and try and work on it. I'm going to, before we move on, I'm going to immediately contradict myself. 
Nice. Always great. <laughs> so for the the game that I am currently running that y'all everybody will be hearing soon, uh, I do in fact have a map for it that I have set up. Um, I mean, it's more of a point map than it is anything else, but I wanted to make sure that I understood what I was projecting. But everybody at the table is never going to see that. It's just from my reference so that I can keep my my orientation straight. Everything else will be described to the audience as it is described to the players. Cool. All right. Uh, moving on. I've got a couple of uh, pointed questions for people. Ryan, could you talk a little bit about what you had been thinking about for the other islands? I think we we kind of rolled into, as a crew, the situation where I was like, oh, we're not doing the side quests. We're too worried about... You had set up too interesting of a end point or a thing to get to, and we were just going to... We were going to plow through. We weren't... You know, I remember we could have fought the giant, like, golem creature, and we're like, we're not even doing that like that. We don't need to risk our crew, risk our lives. But, I, you know, that, that might have been a moment where, you know, we failed or miscommunication. But, you know, what were you thinking... And I, I just think that's cool and something that we could unravel. Yeah. So the island chain was designed to communicate a lot of the things about what you were getting into in the final battle that I ended up having to incorporate into Nolsk's interactions with Pramatha. But there was a lot of information on the island chain uh, about like sort of the decline of the elven culture and what you guys were going to like the basically the the final boss battle that you guys fought in the island but then there was also just like some more fun islands there was like an enclave of pirates in one of them just stuff like that that's basically what it was was to give you guys like low stakes things to interact with but also that is like sort of a thorn that i had for myself is that uh, i set immediately the stakes too high of like you're on this crusade and there's like that's what you're doing and that's why you're here so yeah it, it was more to be like uh focus on the exploration side of the game and the game ended up being more fun i think because it felt more focused but yeah it was it was one of those things where like i kind of over prepped trying to uh, account for any like possible situation and probably didn't need to and that's another like the reason for the questions totally i love it my next question, uh, Nathan, did you face any major challenges when Ryan's character died? This happened so early in your campaign. It, it I think it became like a, a pivotal switch and something that, you know, if, again, I'd, I would never accuse us of trying to give GM advice, but I think just cracking open that, that coconut and actually looking at it is interesting because you had a three person game, a, a major character die just as we're kind of getting into the, the meat and bones of this. So to give some context for what was going on there, we had decided that I don't remember somebody was going to be gone for a week and we needed to get two or three recordings done in a day. So we are like, we're going to fucking record for 12 hours straight. And we sit down and the jazz rolls like trash. Yeah, I mean, it's not that different. It's just I normally don't do it for 12 hours straight. <laughs> yep. So. And so, like, two hours into this, I'm like, I have to fucking kill this character. And so I double-checked, which I think is important, that, like, when you're, especially when you're early in a campaign, 
or what you're what the care what the players are engaging with is obviously not supposed to be a major hurdle where things go so poorly that you have to you feel that you have to kill a character i double checked with you guys i was like guys does this all seem on the level are we all reading the situation the same najaz najaz done fucked up but after that i i was like because so to answer the question we've, we've kind of danced it around it for a second did I face any major hurdles? I was pretty stressed about the whole scenario in the first place, whether or not I could keep your guys' attention for 12 hours in the first place. No, I can't. <laughs> so so I was like, I was like, guys, guys, leave, and I'm going to scribble for a long time trying to figure out what the fuck I, need, I can do in this. So I decided to combine one of my, one of my fronts with Najaz's death. Velo was supposed to be following you guys around and, and existing in a, in a parallel dimension that he could eventually move into and then eventually interact with you guys. And so in a jazz dying, I decided to combine that and address it that way. So as far as, as, far as advice goes, I would say just use the tools you already have at hand. You can, you can, you have everything that you need at every, at every given point, hopefully. And if you don't, you're creative enough to do so i suppose also impact compacted in that question is did i hesitate at the time it felt right we all knew it was right so i mean i distinctly remember you just looking over at me and just nodding because i think i was up like 10 experience points in like an hour it's like yeah no it's it's time he he done fucked up enough kill him yeah yeah Yeah. it should be it should be noted that uh character death is like part of our play culture and so that necessarily, you know, it wouldn't necessarily fit at other tables to kill a character just a couple sessions in. But I know that, Nathan, you were really good about checking in with us. And you were like, hey, this is the situation that we've all kind of agreed going up to. Is everyone cool with this? And obviously we all were, but you very much like checked in yeah. with us um, to make sure that we were cool with really taking that kind of shift in the in the game. And, and obviously, particularly with Ryan, but I thought, it, you know, I thought that was exactly what needed to what like you needed to do as the DM. It was it was perfect the way that you like handled that situation. Yeah, that's I think that's the as, as far as things I could advise people GMs to take away from a scenario like that is that. If you feel that you need to do something drastic to make everybody know, to rectify with the roles. How about I say it that way? If you need to take drastic steps to rectify the what the dice are saying, make sure everyone's okay with it. Open the conversation up. Double check. And then after you all every, after everybody agrees that you're doing it, take a minute to figure out what you're going to do next. And I had a chance to bring the jazz back. I specifically chose... To, that he would not do that. There, there was that moment where, like, Najaz could have told Velo to fuck off and gone back into his own body. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. JD, your series hasn't been uh, for quite a long time, but I still want to get you some questions in here. Do you feel like having three characters with a very unified goal changed how you prepped session to session for your series? You know, generally when we come down and play together, they're usually three characters who are kind of from disparate situations or they have their own goals as far, you know, and they, they, they work together to kind of make it a holistic front, why I'm helping them and the, things like that. We, we actually starting out, we were all on the same page. We're after this uh, scroll, let's call it this, 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 this hide with a, with an enchantment on it. 
we all knew what we were here. We were here for one purpose. Did you feel like that changed your interaction with the players? You know, not only just being the first time you recorded, but also, yeah, I think it was your first time ever having that kind of concise front of your players. I mean, it has to it has to change um, the way that things work. I change every game based on what the what my players are going to be, what kind of characters they're playing. Um, I tried to specifically prep with whatever playbook choices they've made in mind. And in this case, it's just a little bit different. It definitely changed the plot. But I mean, we, you know, I was was fortunate that we had talked about this first arc for quite a bit beforehand. I mean, I knew that you guys were going to be part of this cult. I knew that you are all going to be working um, together. I like that it, it definitely changed the kind of relationships that we could have within a party. That was really interesting to me. We were able to explore that space quite well, I think, in a really interesting way that you guys explicitly weren't not only weren't strangers, but in fact were a, a specifically unified team being sent out to to accomplish something that wasn't brought together by money or you know whatever. Like you were brought together prior to this game, you had a history together. You were all kind of on the same page, so it definitely shaped the way that I was going to do the game. I mean, the whole game would have been radically different if we were going to Raul Bashan, but you guys were hired by some rival king who wanted information and needed you guys to sabotage the city or something i don't know that wouldn't have been the kind of game i would have run if if you guys hadn't been that that um, unified group but it absolutely shaped kind of the the experience that i was expecting the kind of party interactions that i was expecting i mean really just the, the whole game i mean the whole setup right that you guys were were chasing somebody might have stayed the same but it ended up being because of this this hide and it definitely molded the kind of game I knew that it was going to be. I wasn't worried about so much inter-party conflict, which is also definitely part of our play culture ordinarily. I, I was really into it. I really liked it. I like those kinds of setups. I like things that really have the party on a strong footing right away. I like traditional parties too. I don't have a problem with pulling in disparate people who have very disparate goals, but I think it I think it shaped that first arc in a really excellent way. And it it's we were very much playing the the evil campaign, but it was much of it was your evil characters versus an evil empire. There were really no good guys, so it was just kind of an exploration of you know, it was a really interesting uh, sword and sorcery story. I really liked it. I could totally have pictured like reading that kind of thing as a story with clearly defined characters who were very much from from sentence one were explicitly working together towards a singular goal so i thought it really worked well and i thought it shaped the the arc in a really great way cool so after after those kind of uh, questions for each of you i wanted to transition into talking about Oh, you motherfucker! Oh, hey, baby. It's the it's the dragon's den, man. It's it's fine. No, yeah, you're right. It's the dragon's den. Everybody, say hello to Jared, the sweetest girl in all the world. And she she bites my hands, but yes, she's very <laughs> sweet. <laughs> so, transitioning from cat to chat. Oh, bravo! Wow, wow, bravo! <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, <laughs> the innie is coming. I wanted to transition a little bit from our main Dungeon World campaign into things that we're thinking about in the future and what we've actually already done, namely the the cartel. Uh, so we ended up playing a game and we, we it was not a part of our main campaign and we kind of filed it away under Seasides. And now that we've actually finished our first cycle, looking at, let's just say, bigger and grander things that we want to do, 
Namely, one of the things we really want to incorporate into this podcast is uh, different games. Uh, and we've decided to use Seasides as an outlet for that. That being said, we have a few ideas of what we want to do. But I, I, I wanted to go around the table and maybe explicate them a little bit for each of us and what we hope to get accomplished with the Seasides. Right now, what we're, we're kind of thinking is as the uh, DMs that as the three of us who are not running a game have a little bit of space to think and breathe before we run our next, we can actually try and engage with one of those seasides. These will be, in, in short, uh, a little bit of a shorter commitment. It will not be a whole arc. It might be a one-shot. It might be uh, a two-shot, three-shot. It might It might go on for a little bit, but it doesn't kind of have the same commitment as far as like every week we're doing this until I'm done. Even even myself, I have some maybe grander plans for something, but it might be not as consistent. I realize I may be describing this a little bit abstractly, but hopefully we can we can get the meat and bones of it a little bit. JD, do you do you got something to kind of back me up on this, or do you feel like I'm missing anything? I just figure I'd throw it over to you as the other person who's really been th- ruminating about seasides. I mean, seasides is just a way for us to play other games, which isn't to say. I mean, so the Chimera itself is a face to face group. We play other games outside of the podcast. We just want to bring some of that onto the air and also kind of rotate players out, get some other voices in there. And yeah, I think generally we're talking about them as as one or two shots, maybe that that'll then get broken up into, you know, anywhere from one episode to six episodes, something like that. Generally speaking, I think our goal um, is to get them out. Once we've started one, try to get it out once a week. Um, much like the the regular episodes, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. It might be every other, something like that. That's that's kind of where we eventually want to get to, so that we can get to uh, two games a week out on the on the airwaves. A, a main uh, Dungeon World game, and then uh, another seaside of some other variety. Primarily focused on story gaming because that's what we do. Cool. Yeah. Why don't we start with Nathan? Nathan, do you have anything you're particularly thinking about right now as far as seasides go? I got a few things. Either we re- spoiler we recorded a couple episodes of Sprawl that didn't work out very well. I would like to take that again. We have that scheduled for later in the month to record. I have uh there was there, we want we want to play with Dungeon World a little bit more in these seasides. There it, it's not outside of the realm. I there's a, a I want to play a level ten game of Dungeon World, which we may set in Pythia itself. So a sort of a, a, a crew of doomed characters, if you will, sort of uh, ten candles in, inspired, if you're familiar. And then outside of that, outside of the things we actually have planned, I, w- I would love, love to get some monster hearts on on tape, and then monster of the week. I'm I'm looking at as well. Some some, you know, I some pop games, if you will. Yeah, that's that's what I have in the pipeline. For me, I think in the next couple of weeks, uh, doing uh, sword of the crown and the unspeakable power. I'd love to record Band of Blades, and uh, I recently bought uh, Sigmata, and would love to play a game on air about just killing fascists, because that's what I'm all about, so, (laughs) yeah. So for me, we recorded a game of Swords Without Master, which sadly was lost in the corruption, the, the spreading blight that entered my computer and destroyed things. So I'm getting back to Swords of That Master. I'm definitely going to do another one of those pretty soon. 
and try to get that out. It's a game that I am obsessed with a little bit these days. Uh, it has taken over my thought processes a lot about the way that I play games and the way that I think about games, the way that I want to play games. So I'm definitely going to get that out. I've got plenty of other games I want to run. I always want to play more games, obviously. I think I'm going to try to record a game of Lovecraft-esque pretty soon, which is a collaborative um, Lovecraftian horror game. I would like to eventually do some DMless Dungeon World, which is some stuff that we've messed around with in the past and really enjoyed. So I'd like to do that. So also, this is a little bit separate, but uh, I am hoping to do some other long distance stuff, particularly with people who aren't part of the Chimera. So I'd like to run some 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 games with uh, creators or people kind of outside of the normal gaming group either bring in some other people in and do like a three-way recording or just one-on-one. Um, -on -one. I know that I want to play um, Dead Friend by Lucian Khan and I'll do that hopefully with Lucian at some point. Since I'm long distance, I want to take advantage of that and try to use it as a, as a strength of the podcast and start doing more of those kind of online recordings as well. And lastly, uh, I've got a game of Apocalypse World that was a, a, a really quick one-shot. It was my first time running Apocalypse World. That'll come out eventually, I think, at some point. Um, I had a good time, and mostly I learned a lot from it, but it, it still, I think, was a fun recording, so I'm going to put that out as well as a seaside. For me, personally, I have already run a one-shot of Dogs in the Vineyard. I use Sydney Icarus's his small starter for, for a, let's call it a scenario, inside of the Gauntlet's Codex Zine Love 2. I thought it was fantastic. Nathan was there, and our friend Scott was also there. So, we, uh, again, getting back to that theme of kind of bringing in people uh, to try and just hear new voices on the podcast and not just us uh, same few guys. I also have plans in the works for a Blades in the Dark that I'm really excited about. And I'm hoping to really bring in uh, a couple, a, a little bit of a, a different bent in it, in the sense of I'm hoping to utilize the Chimera, our face-to-face -face group, to have a couple other voices in there who may come up and uh, be decision makers as far as the crew. Maybe it's hideout, how we want to engage in the world, and they can be players as well in the face-to-face -face game. Because I think. This is what I was talking about for Seasides potentially being a longer term thing, but not in the, the same like consistent every week to week is that I might uh, record that again in a couple weeks, like record a session and change a couple faces, the same crew, but some different people going on in different missions. I think that Blades in the Dark lends itself to potentially doing that. And I really like that aspect of just being able to cultivate a stronger face to face group. And hopefully get some of those voices represented in our podcast. Because though we do now use the power of the airwaves to connect with JD, we do we are still trying to, I think, grow this uh, a little bit homegrown here in Iowa City and bring some of those voices into the podcast space uh, so that you can hear a couple different perspectives. As far as all that goes, those are those are my main things right now. I've got some other um, some other hopes, but they're on the they're on the back burner. So I've got another round the table question. And I think that this one is still good because I think it still teases maybe what's to come. What are you guys thinking about for your next series? So the mainline Dungeon World series. You guys got some things brewing? Uh, I'm going to jump in and start this one because I'm already in the middle of recording my next game. <laughs> Please jump in. I love that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I am running for... 
the current game that we are recording now and will soon be uh, coming out. I'm running a game um, that I helped make with a Lamentations of the Flame Princess module um, called the Seclusium of Orphony of Three Visions. Uh, I wanted to make a, a traditional wizard dungeon crawl, wizard-based location dungeon crawl. So to do this, uh, I wanted to tie some threads back together um, with previous characters. So this is all taking place in a, in a campaign my, a campaign that I'm calling the Dimension of Ypsilanti, the Tectomancer. So Ypsilanti, whether you listen to Nathan's series or not, the second series that we did, uh, he was the creator of my character, Silic referenced um, just a little bit during character creation. So I wanted to explore more about that kind of uh, what Ypsilanti was all about, the kind of traditional wizardry crawl with my own take on it, my own twist on it. I think the Seclusium is a really awesome module that helped inspire what I was doing. I'm not doing it exactly the way that it's written out there, but that's just a great um, resource in general, I think, for creating this type of game. So I've, ex I've used that module in the past. I wanted to do something very different with it this time. So when I used it in the past, it, you know, it was for a face-to-face -face game and it was uh, a much different experience than what I'm aiming for this time. Obviously, I talked a little bit about that already where I didn't want it to be an explicitly antagonistic game. Uh, so far, so good. I'm really enjoying where it's at right now. Um, I'm really excited for that to hit the airwaves. So um, look forward to that next week because that will be the, the start of that with the introduction right after this. Go ahead, Nathan. As I'm going to go, I think I'm going after JD as it stands unless something changes. I'm next in the, in the round. What I, what I really want to do is I, the first thing is I want to create a scenario that all of you guys can be a little bit more unified in. There's this meme, I suppose, amongst us that I always create character dissension and inner party conflict and i want for once that not to be the case i don't want somebody tied to a tree and stabbed in the forehead at the end of one of my games we'll see if that happens i don't Wh think we what? tied him to a tree we just stabbed him in the forehead jeff yeah yeah i i, I stabbed him in the i think i stabbed him in the face and killed him yeah. he, he was tied yeah, to no, a tree like elijah did. am i just conflating it with elijah wood in sin city i mean Whatever. If you, it, if, yeah, if you it, were, I don't think it's totally off. No. Yeah. That's basically what happened. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, he was a horrible person. Objectively. So what I would like to do is, if, is give you guys a unified goal and have the party dynamic be a little bit more cohesive is one of my main goals here, which I'm sure will go out the window immediately. And I'm gonna I'm gonna play have you guys play in a little bit more of a, a I want you guys to play in a little bit more of a jungle area and I wanna I wanna play with some of the, the lore of the Cyclopodes, our the genesis of our world and what those figures mean. Those are my goals. Awesome. Ryan? So I'm taking a, a much different tact and my last campaign was uh water based and this one is set in the desert and also in a city instead of just like the open waves. I really want to sort of show because a lot of our games I feel like have been in more desolate areas that there is the, that vibrancy of life uh, present in the city States, which we've explored in off podcast games, but to really bring that more to the center stage of the podcast. And I just finished reading devil in the white city. So that's uh, one uh, book I highly recommend. And two uh, very much sitting in the brain pan simmering right now. So, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. 
Zach, what are you thinking? So I've I've been interested in a couple different things. One, I've been interested in traveling south. We have set up in our our world, our mythos, these hot springs that you have to I think cross a a narrow channel to get to. And I've I've been interested in this kind of this place, these hot springs of we as we've described in our world as kind of a a, a strange other world that it's corrupted certain characters and transformed their their views and ideologies of the world. The other thing I've been really interested in exploring as well is bringing a little bit more of a, a city city, a vibrancy to the world. Something uh, we may be engaging with is what it means to be a city state under the Shah's control without really having to be under the Shah's control. And hopefully uh, that's kind of fun enough and leading enough into uh, what you'll see later from me to leave you kind of on a little bit of a hook, if it were. Cool. The last thing that I really have as a, a posited quartered off question is talking about things that we are hoping to do outside of just gaming and recording for the podcast, the IRL, as it were. And then uh, maybe maybe goals for the channel, uh, bigger than just, you know, bringing in stories and bringing in seasides and things like that. Could you narrow the... I don't quite know what you're asking. I wasn't actually asking. I was just giving it a... I was making it a forum, uh, talking about going to PAX, potentially, uh, talking about... Ah, uh, uh, yes. Stuff like that. So we're going to try to show up at PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia in late November. We're going to try to make an appearance there. We'll certainly update if one way or the other if that doesn't happen. Uh, you'll know us um, by our sweet capes. Oh, God, I, I God damn it, damn it you JD, spoiled the capes. capes. Uh, <laughs> now we're just going to have to do jean jackets with back patches. Or jean jacket capes. Je- Wait. Jean capes. My <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing we're going to try to do. I, I would lo- I'm going to try to get a Twitch channel set up here shortly. I, I've been itching to play video games, but have trouble being alone. So <laughs> if... People could watch me play video games. That would be fantastic, and hopefully that can that can create a, a a separate social space that we at the Chimera can interact with outside of of the one dimension that we have that is RPGs. Yeah, I mean that hits most of it on the head. It should be noted um, since I just moved to Honolulu, I would love to play games with people on the island of Oahu. So if you live here hit me up because it'd be sweet to meet people it would also be cool to just start an, like another face-to-face group a chimera pacific edition i don't know what to call it ex- exactly the leviathan i don't know no I'm, I, that's I'm still no good too. anyway <laughs> yeah. um but no that, that's a real thing uh i mean obviously i'm gonna start hitting game shops and stuff i just moved out here like two weeks ago but uh, I'll be here for a while, so I want to start playing some games face-to-face again. Um, I definitely plan on making an extension of the Chimera. If you're into story games, you know, shoot us an email. Hit me up on Twitter. You know, That goes for anybody, too. Hit us up on Twitter. Shoot us an email. It's all good. We'd love to hear from you. I guess as far as that goes, if you're in the Midwest and want to play games with us, fuck yeah. 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 By all means, like if you're near Iowa, just shoot us a message. Also, I will say... As another little little treat, 
if we do end up going to PAX, we will try and do a worldwide wrestling like one shot or deluxe one shot. Like we will really, we're going to try and do this, this game. It's, 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 it's due diligence as the, this is, this is something we were talking about the other day as the, 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 the few, the chosen few who have actually made a campaign out of worldwide wrestling. Like we cannot be in the, we're not in the trip, like triple digits. No way. Double digits. I'm even like hesitant to say that there are more than nine groups that have made a campaign out of worldwide wrestling i think we are really a select few who understand this game so intimately and so stupidly i'm getting into wrestling just to play this stupid game with these guys <laughs> uh which is it is it's a big deal it's 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 changing my life for sure big sweaty men i never thought i'd be into that but now you now realize I'm, that your life was just not as whole as it could have been exactly embrace the hoss yeah feel yeah. the hoss God, as only. as a big sweaty man <laughs> i feel like i've found a brotherhood my people <laughs> a brotherhood of hosses so yeah that 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 is something that potentially could happen if we could get some people who are really interested in that i'll i, I will double down if if we go to pax unplugged we will play worldwide wrestling yes I, like yes. let's let's not going, let's yeah. not leave it in the in the conditional. We will play worldwide wrestling. I will invest in a luchador mask, and I will participate in worldwide wrestling in a luchador mask, and I probably will, most of PAX. I will just bring mine. I'll also throw this out there. Um, I will not be at PAX because it is very expensive for me to fly places now. But I'm hoping that next year we will coordinate and try to go to at least, you know, I'll at least try to get to one con uh, on the mainland. And I, I hope that we as the Chimera will be uh, represented at a couple different cons. Um, we definitely want to connect more in that way, you know, which in Iowa, there isn't really an RPG con. There's nothing really close to us. So it's always been a little prohibitive. But I think now we're we're really gearing up to do that. Definitely make an appearance at Gen Con 2019, if only to hug Jason Cordova. <laughs> Well, boys, do we have anything else that we want to touch on for, for this round of the Dragon's Den? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I'm all good. Yeah. No. I think our plan is to do this uh, after every cycle. We'll talk about things. Kind of what we talk about, I'm sure, will change each time. But just as kind of a, a break for us, a, t- a chance to decompress and just kind of openly discuss stuff that's on our mind. Before we leave, I would like to say if you guys have been listening to us and you're enjoying things, we don't like to beg after every episode, but I would, we all would deeply appreciate it if you review us on iTunes. Um, that obviously makes us look good and it gets us up there. It gets us a, a wider audience. Plus it, you know, is always just nice to see. Um, we have gotten one review at least um, from dm Kiato, i believe um is the is the way to say that so thank you so much to them just for giving us that rating taking time and writing a review it's very very useful we would absolutely love to see more of those if you do that we'll you know we would we'll give you a shout out on our next dragon's den at the very least also please follow us on twitter and instagram uh, i know that i plan on trying to be more diligent about using twitter and i know that you know, we, we keep rolling on Instagram, but it would be great to be able to interact with people who are listening to us there on both of the social medias. Yeah. Just, uh, hit us up, talk to us, follow us. We'd love to hear from you. We want to know what you like about the podcast. We want to know what you would like to see us do in the future. Um, we'd like to see, you know, maybe what we can improve on. Happy to hear all of that. It's definitely our goal to continue to improve the way that things are going. 
part of the reason that we've had so many audio issues or like trying to get this figured out is because we wanted to make sure that we could do it in a way that maintained our audio quality. Um, that's really important to us. We want to continue to be one of the, the best sounding RPG actual play podcasts out there. I mean, we're always looking to do new things, try new things uh, to keep us improving. So let us know. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I want to double down and just say we love you. Thanks for listening. Like this is this has been a blast to do, and I'm I'm glad that we have anybody that listens. Yeah, yeah. I've been blown away. Like the fact that we have people who are listening to us um, do this thing that we absolutely love to do. It's awesome. And with that, the fires go down, they burn to coals, and the dragon's den has ended. Okay, I'm gonna stop this recording now. Aloha, I'm throwing out the little shaka hand symbol.